you know, before there was new mutants and all the, you know, hubbub about when is this going to come out, whatever. There was also a movie with Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, a little sci-fi epic called Chaos Walking. And this thing shot, I believe, in 1992. I, th- I think they <laughs> shot the movie in 1992. Mm-hmm. Well, it was years ago. It was years ago that they shot this movie. And it became kind of noteworthy because it was described as being utterly unwatchable. Apparently, it was just horrifically bad. So they knew they had to basically reshoot a whole ton of it. The problem was Daisy Ridley was now busy because she had to go off to shoot this little Star Wars movie. So they couldn't reshoot it for ages. Then finally schedules cleared up. They did a bunch of reshoots. Well, anyway, guys, today it happened. Today it happened. The first trailer, the first official trailer for this new movie, Chaos Walking, has aired. By the way, because of all the controversy, it totally went over my head that Mads Mikkelsen was in it. Oh, Mm -hmm. that totally eluded me. The Mads Mikkelsen, like I was so distracted by all the other noise surrounding this film. The fact that Mads Mikkelsen was in there totally eluded me, and that makes it a that's a huge selling feature to me having Mads in there. Now, for those who don't know much about this, this is the synopsis for Chaos Walking. In a dystopian colony on a planet called New World, Todd Hewitt, played by Tom Holland, has grown up believing a virus has killed all women and given all living creatures the ability to read each other's minds and hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. When he discovers an area that is completely silent, he happens upon a young girl, Viola Edie? I don't know. Played by Daisy Ridley, who is the source of the silence. Dun-dun-dun. And then, you know, chaos ensues in Chaos Walking trailer. It's difficult, Aaron, to knowing all the drama that has gone on with this thing Mm -hmm. and all the talk and all the weight, it's difficult to look at a trailer like this when it finally comes out with a completely fresh set of eyes. It's it's difficult. So I'm watching it. I watched it the first time and I'm like, I realized I'm watching this through the lens of knowing all the garbage and everything that's happened to it. And it's looking kind of desperate. The, Mm. the, the, The trailer is looking kind of desperate to me. Then I said, okay, let's try it again. Take a minute, you know, do the actor thing, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, take a second. Okay. Watch it again. Okay. And I watch it again. I still don't think it's a great trailer, mm-hmm. but the concept is certainly interesting. Sure. And I'm, I did find myself going, okay, I want to know what's the mystery behind this. What's going on here? Besides that, it wasn't all that great, but it wasn't all that bad. I don't know, Aaron, you had a chance to see this chaos walking trailer what did you think of it um well first of all i i can't tell you how uninterested i am in a world that is completely men um <laughs> and that is not a you know before everybody freaks out oh aaron hates men i don't hate men i love men i think that you contribute beautifully to the planet um <laughs> i just the idea of being the lone female survivor uh, or the the only woman on a planet run exclusively by men, and then seeing the fact that like there is a couple guys trying to protect her because there are thousands of men who are all coming to kill her. I, I just my anxiety just flew through <laughs> the roof, and I was like, I, I will never watch this movie. There's no part of me that wants anything to do with any of this. That being said, I am intri- intrigued by the idea of you know the ability of people to hear and see one another's thoughts and there's that great moment in the trailer 
where uh, Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland's characters are hiding from people and his thoughts are so vivid and yeah. loud and she's like, shut up. And he's trying to quiet his thoughts. Uh, that kind of um, uh, uh, pressure, it, it, that's that's an exciting thing to see. Um, but I also, you know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about last week. We talk about uh, sometimes a horrible shoot can turn out a really interesting movie you have on one end of the spectrum, you know, a movie like Apocalypse Now, notoriously horrible shoot, turned out to be one of the greatest films of all time. Same thing, uh, Dirty Dancing. They likened it to, they had locusts even at one point. They were like, <laughs> we're waiting for a plague to hit us next. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. World War Z, you and I were talking about World, World War, War Z. World War Z, exactly, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, which all turned out, you know, wonderful movies. I, I quite enjoyed World War Z. Dirty Dancing is a classic. Um, I don't necessarily know if this would fall into that category, um, but it's certainly, I, I don't look at a film that had a really bad shoot and go, oh, well, uh, this automatically equates to being a bad movie. The difference, though, is I think the fact that it wasn't just a terrible film shoot. It was a terrible film shoot that produced an unwatchable movie yeah, that yeah. then had to be corrected in reshoots and post so much uh and now it's finally now and how are they releasing it is it being released VOD I'll, I'll be or? Honestly, i haven't even i haven't even looked into it I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that did fascinate me in the trailer though mm -hmm. was the fact that it's not that everybody has this superpower to read thoughts and she doesn't have that power it's that everybody's thoughts are broadcast right and to everybody else she's the one with the superpower and mads mickelson says that line mm. Like, I can't remember exactly, I'm paraphrasing, but anybody who has access to her has way too much power because the ability to not have everybody know what your thoughts are right. is suddenly seen as a superpower in that world. And I thought that was it. That's the part that I found really interesting to see how they evolve that. But again, overall, I didn't think the trailer was all that gay. Question is, guys. What did you think? A trailer for Chaos Walking is finally here. Regardless of how you think the movie may turn out because of all the drama, what did you think of just the trailer? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's now move on to our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics today? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics by going anytime when you come across a big topic, going over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. That down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Alex Whitmer. And Alex Whitmer writes, Hey John, so the Video Game Awards announced their nominations today, and The Last of Us Part 2 leads all games with 10 nominations, including Game of the Year. What do you think its chances are, and what do you think of it getting the nomination? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, 
the video game awards. Now, like, I'm not, you know, the biggest, most major gamer in the world. I'm a casual gamer at best. And what games I do play, I normally play on my PC. But it was great to see that I played, I've played a number of the games that are actually nominated this year. Of course, one of them being um, uh, Last of Us 2 for the big award. Here are the games that were nominated for best game of the year. Animal Crossing. Uh, New Horizons, Doom Eternal, uh, which I, I was just playing a little bit last night, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of uh, uh, Tsushima, Hades, and The Last of Us Part Two. So I've played Animal Crossing, I've played Doom Eternal, i played a bit of Hades, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, but I've sat around watching my buddies play it long enough, and I watched, I didn't play Last of Us 2, I just watched the entire like 12-hour cutscene movie of it which uh, I thought was incredible. What do I think about Last of Us 2? First of all, let me talk a second about Animal Crossing. Okay. Honestly, just for a second. I I was number one surprised to see Animal Crossing got nominated for Game of the Year. Okay. But when I thought about it for a second, I'm not surprised at all. Like I was at first because it's not what you think about when you think of gaming. Animal Crossing is this simple little game that to me looks absolutely ridiculous. And my wife played the old version of Animal Crossing. Is it like Farmville? Something like that. Yeah. But she was always talking about Animal Crossing. She was like, she was counting down the days to the new Animal Crossing coming out. And she still to this day, this, this game came out in February or March. She to this day plays it at least an hour or two every day. What? Oh, yeah. She plays it every day. She's always got her Nintendo Switch on her. She plays it at least a little bit every single day. What is the per- what is the goal of the game? I mean. <sighs> to get the chicken across the road? Sorry, uh, bad so, so, joke. Sorry, you gotta guys. Get, Sorry. You've got to get, like, you, you build, you get an island. You build it, develop it, get new people who live on it. You increase, you build your own house. You get to expand your house. Like, it's just, it's, I think they call it sandbox kind of gaming. But it's, so it's just basically, I guess it's kind of like uh, The Sims or something like that. You just, right. you just do, right? And you continue to just do. In a way, it's much like World of Warcraft. And I, Anne needed my help to do some farming for her while she was doing other things. And I realized- <laughs> Right, because if you, do, in those type of, types of games, if you're not there to harvest your fruit- You're missing you know, out. You, then you're, then it, it's going to rot. Yeah, so she's like, I need you to go pick all my fruit, <laughs> go sell the fruit. I need you to do this. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that for you, honey, right? But oh as I'm doing gosh, it, I'm realizing this is actually- shockingly a lot like World of Warcraft. You get quests, you have to get resources. Mm-hmm. Once you do, you can get things made, you can upgrade things. And it's like, and I start, and it's just charming and delightful. And you don't go out killing things. It's just a charming, yeah. engaging little game. And I was shocked when I realized, I looked around the internet, all it was was people playing, like everybody was playing uh, Animal Crossing. I will. I will say this. Um, outside of this show, and I'm not a gamer myself, outside of this show, which is the only reason why I've heard of The Last of Us because we talk about it um, regularly here, outside of this show, I've, I've Animal Crossing is the only game that I would have heard about. Yeah. I like, mean, it's the only, when I look at the list spheres. of... Huh? You gotta be in those spheres, I right, think. Right, exactly. But that's what I'm saying is to a lay person who is, who's not you know, regularly talking about video games. Um, when I looked at the list of all the top nominees, I was like, Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, I know. I, I know what that is. I've heard of that yeah. game. I've heard people talk about it. And um, Anne, uh, I told Anne about the nomination. She was thrilled, of course, because it's her favorite game. But I, I was really, really impressed. Listen, as far as the Last of Us Two thing goes, 
Uh, Last of Us 2, I, I've said this before on the show. Now, there was some some blowback on Last of Us 2. Some people didn't like that a girl won. Some people didn't like that a cer- certain characters did certain things or, or, or that we switched perspective to who we thought was an antagonist, whatever. I, I, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I have never been utterly floored by the storytelling in a game ever. Mm. There have been some very good storytelling in some games. God of War, like it's it's a great story, and the way it ends with it being Loki and all, it, it's a it's a great thing. Um, Red Dead Redemption, uh, Uncharted, Thief's End, some like I've been impressed with some storytelling games. I have never been utterly breathing heavy and like shaking my head and and had an emotional impact like the way Last of Us Two. It is an utterly it is it is the greatest achievement in storytelling in video games ever, in my opinion. I mean, it's not even close, like by a mile. Well, you know, to that point, you know, I, I went through the list and of all of the nominated films, um, I mean, films, games, games, Last of Us, and this is by no stretch, uh, you know, a, a metric for determining what should win a video game award, but Last of Us is the only one that's being developed into a project, you know. Out of it, these ones here. Out of yeah. the ones that are listed, correct. And again, you know, that doesn't necessarily, like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is a great video game, but, you know, it's being developed into a television series by Craig Mazin, who did Chernobyl. Right, yeah. Um, and so for the creator of Chernobyl, Noble to find uh, a story within this video game worthy of developing into a series. You know, now Craig Mazin also wrote Scary Movie 3 and 4. So <laughs> <laughs> everybody has a bad day at the office. Hey, but hey, you know, very entertaining films, you know, satisfy a certain audience. Um, but you know, for the for the creator of Chernobyl, who really has his pick of any project in Hollywood right now to choose this video game as something that he wants to develop into his next series. That's pretty remarkable. I will say though, uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima sounds really, really intriguing. I think it's like uh, the year 1247 and there's uh, one last surviving samurai and uh, in order to defeat the uh, Mongols uh, who are invading this samurai can't rely on traditional samurai fighting styles, but has to learn the way of the ghost. And it, like, that sounds like a really well, you know, cool, you know Dennis, as long right? as, as long as Tom Cruise isn't playing that samurai, <laughs> I would, you know, maybe I ha- like that movie. I like last Hey, samurai. nothing wrong with it. I'm just, uh, yeah, sorry. But you know, Dennis, right? Dennis. Zen. No. Don't you? Have I have I not do, had you do stuff anyway? I don't know. I that's I just assumed you knew Dennis. Anyway, Dennis Zen, who, who's worked with me for like I've worked with Dennis Zen for like twelve years. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I know he was playing it about. And I know he loved this game. I know he loved this game. And Hades is really fun too. Hades is really cool. But anyway, I think it's great. Um, and we'll see what happens there. But anyway, guys, what did you think about the nominations? If you're into the gaming stuff, jump on down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move into main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Neil Anderson, who writes, No Pants Thursday. Hello, John and Aaron. One of the movies coming that I'm really looking forward to is Red Notice. I don't know a lot about it, but I know it is Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. 
I rarely get excited about a movie because of the stars, but this one is an exception. I saw a group photo of them today marking the end of production. Are you looking forward to this? And do stars really draw an audience anymore? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending in the question, man. And first of all, yeah, let's talk about this. Red Notice is the latest movie that was in production, got shut down because of the pandemic, was able to return to production, and has now wrapped. We're hearing about more and more of these movies that are being able to wrap up now. And yeah, Dwayne Johnson got on his social media the other day, and he put out this picture. And in the picture, he wrote, the FBI profiler, the world's most wanted art thief, and the greatest con man in the world has the greatest con man the world has ever seen, also known as Deadpool, Wonder Woman, and Black Adam. That's an official wrap on our film, Red Notice. So it is done. It is wrapped. And obviously that little write-up that he just gave you gives you a little bit of an idea about what's going to be. This is going to be a Netflix original movie, action adventure. Now, on the one hand, I am a little bit skeptical about it because I love Ryan Reynolds. Like I'm, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds Good fan. Good Canadian kid. Good Canadian kid. I love Ryan Reynolds, but he just did this big action film on Netflix called Six Underground. Mm-hmm. Was not good. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't wasn't anything wrong with Ryan's performance. Just the movie overall wasn't good. Had its moments. Had some some redeemable qualities. Just wasn't all that good. Um, so there's that. Number one, it is remarkable that a lot of these films were able still in the midst of the pandemic to come up with the right protocols, get back together and finish their films. Jurassic world just finished their filming uh, recently too. I mean, think that's great. That is fantastic. I won't lie to you. The idea of seeing Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds together again, because they were together. My favorite scenes of Hobbs and Shaw were the scenes with Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson together. Those were my absolute, the chemistry between these two, the comedic chemistry was fantastic. I loved it. And so I'm looking to see, looking forward to seeing them. And by the way, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds are the two highest paid celebrities Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. They're the highest paid actors in Hollywood, number one and number two. Um, Look, it's hard not to be attracted to a movie when you hear Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, all in the same movie. That's, That's impressive. Do the stars of a movie draw out the audience today. Not really, but there are extreme exceptions. Like for the most part, having a known recognized name in a movie, it's not so much about everybody will run out to see this movie if this person is in it. It's really more about having somebody the audience recognizes gives credibility to a movie. It's almost like when a movie tries to come out and an audience, an average audience member looks at a trailer or a poster and like, I don't know any of these people. It's almost like there's a disconnect in people's mind. Right. You at least got to have somebody in there that people recognize for the general audience member to go, oh, I should take this movie a little bit seriously. doesn't mean they're going to run out and see it, mm-hmm. but they at least to them now it's a legitimate thing. But every once in a while, you know, even Dwayne Johnson, who I think right now is the most bankable movie star in the world. Yes. Even he, you can't just put him in anything and expect it to make $800 million. Right. Like Rampage made way more money than it would have if anybody else was starring in it. But it's not like it made $700 million at the box office. What was the movie that he did with Nev Campbell, Skyscraper? Oh, the Skyscraper. Yeah. Again, not a huge huge hit. Not a great movie. It Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was fun, but not a great movie. Right. Um, 
But I think there's also the assumption that someone, you know, like I was just saying about Craig Mazin, if you have your pick of anything to do, which one would assume Dwayne Johnson does, one would assume that Dwayne Johnson can just go, I'm going to have access to the best scripts in Hollywood and I'm going to choose, you know, the top two or three that I'm going to work on over the next couple of years. One assumes those are the best projects that are out there and available. So it's sort of like, I just kind of go, all right, well, if you're in it, then clearly this had to go through a lot of filters. It's it's probably not going to be a garbage movie, but that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I, it's not, sometimes it's a garbage movie with a really nice paycheck, and that's all it takes. Well, yeah, and these are the two highest paid guys in, in Hollywood. I I am not so convinced it won't be garbage mm-hmm. because it's going to Netflix. <laughs> now, and again, there are. There have been a couple – even just this, this year, there have been a couple yeah, exceptions. Trial of the Chicago, Chicago 7. Chicago is my favorite movie of the year right mm-hmm. now. I love Charlize Theron's Old Guard. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a thousand times better than that Chris Hemsworth garbage extraction. And I know a lot of people like it. I don't know what the hell you guys are watching. But hey, that's why all films are subjective. I thought it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but Old Guard was great. It's still about a – 20 to one ratio of every one for every one good Netflix original movie. There's like 20 bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just can't get terribly excited about it. Even though I love Dwayne Johnson. I love Ryan Reynolds. It's a huge cast. You put in Gal Gadot, who's a big star with them right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's an impressive collective. Well, but- I think that, you know, going back to the original question of do stars draw people in, you know, I was thinking about this last night, and for me, it's not necessarily an individual star. I can't think of anybody offhand that if someone says, oh, this person is in this movie, that I'm going to go, oh, my gosh, well, I have to see it because it must be good. But when it comes to uh, buddy comedies or just buddies in any, any two actors who have great chemistry with one another, that's something that people latch on to, that people get familiar with, because then it's not just this actor put into a very a random scenario where that actor might be taking on a completely different persona that we don't like that particular, we don't like to see that actor in. You know what I mean? Like, uh, speaking of Tom Cruise from earlier, people like to see Tom Cruise doing a certain Tom Cruise thing, but then when he tries to go outside of that, you know, it, it gets mixed reviews. So um, with with Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson having established that wonderful chemistry between the two of them, it reminds me of, you know, Jackie Chan and um, Chris, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Tucker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, going back to Mel Gibson and Danny Glover or uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Like if I see certain two names together, I go, oh, I know what the relationship is going to be. I know what the dynamic is going to be. And and I love Tina Fey. If somebody says, oh, this is a Tina Fey movie, I'm probably going to go, okay, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. But if it's Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, I go, oh my gosh, I know. I, I, I know what I'm getting into and I'm already... My, my foot's already in the door, you know, because right. I feel like almost I'm visiting old friends. I mean, everybody's got those buddies that, you know, when you hang Will out with Ferrell, them. John C. Riley. Exactly. You know, when you hang out with them, they're just going to, you know, you can just sit back and watch and, you know, open a beer and be like, I'm just going to sit here and watch the two of you just go at it and, you know, ha- have fun. That's how I feel. It sounds ab- like you're watching porn. But anyway, yes, please continue. I mean, hey, <laughs> you don't know the kind of friends I have. Um, and so, like, that's how I feel when I think about, you know, Ryan. Reynolds and 
Dwayne Johnson, mm. you know, coming together. And with Gal Gadot, um, I haven't seen a lot of her work outside of Wonder Woman. Um, I know that she's done other things, but I'm glad that she is doing other projects that show her range beyond Wonder Woman. I think it's really important for um, an, an actor or an actress, because let's face it, the only thing people really knew her from at all was the Fast and the Furious um, movies. And so for her to have such a huge role as Wonder Woman, that could be very limiting. So I think it's great for her that she is branching out and doing other well, and we projects. And got, we've got Death on the Nile coming, which she's also in. And I am, look, I... I know you're not a huge fan. I, I am not a big fan. Mm -hmm. Actually, well, I let me, let me say this. I have become more and more of a fan of her personality. Mm. Like, I want... When DC fandom happened, uh, and they had the whole Wonder Woman virtual panel, the person who stole the show on that panel was Gal Gadot. I mean, she was great. I was, and I remember saying, if I was a producer and I wanted a performer who could really go out there and sell my movie, yeah, like it would be her. She's, yeah, she's she's definitely she's very intriguing so, and engaging. So much smart. more so than she does on screen. So much, but but I also believe she has been getting incrementally better, which is what you want to see. Like I, I compare it all the time to Channing Tatum. Because mm. for the longest time, I thought Channing Tatum was the absolute worst actor in Hollywood <laughs> getting consistent work. Mm -hmm. But he got – he kept working and he got better and better and better. Now, I really look forward to Channing Tatum being right. in movies. And so I'm very curious to see how Gal, number one, does in a movie like uh, Death on the Nile, mm -hmm. which she gets to work with an incredible d director in Kenneth Branagh. Mm -hmm. And then see her do something, a lighter fare kind of action-y thing opposite two very strong personalities in Ryan Reynolds. And so it's going to be interesting to see how she's continued her development, you know? Yeah, so because you look I'm at someone else like, like a January Jones who became great example. very well known with Mad Men, even being nominated for an Emmy. And then when she went to do other projects, you know, fill in the blank. All I right. Say anything. All right, guys. <laughs> Let's with that said, guys, what do you think about this whole thing? They've wrapped <laughs> Red Notice. Are you looking forward to it? Does the name on the marquee, does the name of the actors in a movie, is that what draws you to films these days? Jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by... Amir I, and Amir I writes, when you posted on Twitter the other night that uh, a couple of big announcements were about to come out showing the studios giving up on theaters, you even nailed the part where they'd say we're still committed to theaters, and they did. I knew one was going to be Wonder Woman. So two questions. Number one, how did you know? Number two, do, or does WB tell you this stuff? And number two, uh, what do you think caused them to make this move? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And uh, yeah, Wonder Woman 84 is going to come out on HBO Max on December 25th. Um, let A little bit of background to this. So it was a week ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. A week ago, a number of days ago. Uh, Rob and I are doing the show. And this, we discussed the topic of, hey, there's a possibility Wonder Woman uh, 84 gets pushed back into summer. And there's a possibility it comes out on Christmas Day in theaters and then comes out on HBO Max like a few days later or a week later or what, a couple of weeks later, whatever. And 
I said on the show, it's it's possible it could do that. It's possible it could come out in theaters and then come out on HBO Max a few days later. But I don't think it will. It's gonna it's gonna come out. They're gonna push it back to summer. They're gonna push it mm-hmm. back to summer. Well, somebody saw saw that show and gave me a call. Um, for some pe- reason, listen, I I I love Disney, but I will call out Disney's crap when I think there there's crap. Mm-hmm. Like I, I the, their lack of premium original content on Disney Plus. I'll complain about this. I'll complain about that. I'll complain about Warner Brothers, but I actually have a really good relationship with Warner Brothers. I have uh, several friends at Warner Brothers. All that to say is this. Somebody gave me a call and said, so I was watching your show, John, and you saying, uh, yeah, like like uh, you think they're going to push it off. Just so you know, it's coming out on HBO Max on Christmas Day. And I went, really? <laughs> like, yeah, it's coming out on HBO Max Christmas Day. Don't tell anybody, but... <laughs> It's, it's coming out on HBO Max. So uh, I then got a word from, from a, a second piece of information about Black Widow. And so I put out this tweet, but I, I made the tweet ambiguous. In my defense, I made the tweet very ambiguous. And I put out this tweet that just said the, the other night, a couple of nights ago, I said, you know, um, a couple of very big significant announcements are coming out in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. that pretty much show that Hollywood studios are giving up on theaters. And when they do make these announcements, they will say things like, we're still committed to the theatrical experience, yeah. but it's just niceties at this point. I put that tweet up. It was only up for about an hour because I got a phone call from this guy saying, you said you wouldn't tell him. But I said, I didn't, I didn't mention Wonder Woman. It's like every – look at your Twitter stream. Everybody's figuring out that you're talking about Wonder Woman. I'm like, all right, all right. So I, so I, pulled, the, so I pulled the tweet down. But hold on. And then about a day uh, later. But you know what? Here's the thing. And, and, and if this person is watching, I'm calling you out because that's like someone telling me a secret and then me going and telling someone – like calling, I don't know, uh, Perez Hilton, not comparing you to Perez Hilton, but compare, you know, but, but telling someone that has clearly a show about movie news and then being like, but don't tell anybody the secret that I wasn't supposed to say in the first place. And then getting mad at I, you for I, like even hinting. Come I on, think they were you should have kept your mouth shut, Mr. Warner Brothers. You, that was, that's on you. I think they were that's rubbing you. They were rubbing it in my face that I was wrong about what I said on the show because, yeah, I could do that, but I, they're going to. How about wait summer. until an hour before the announcement? is made well okay yeah, but they just want to push in my face and to be fair to be fair listen everybody get, likes to be the keeper of a secret i get told a lot of stuff that i totally keep my mouth shut but when i found out about the the black widow thing i thought i'm gonna put out this ambiguous tweet but black widow in uh well i, Wonder, yeah, I Wonder talked Woman. about black widow on the show I oh okay about that, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay so i thought well now there's these two things so i put it this tweet i kept it ambiguous but uh yeah <laughs> but but you know what in fairness he was right I mean, everybody, when you looked at the responses, like everybody was figuring out exactly we were talking about Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And so I so I pulled the tweet down. Anyway, that, that's, that's how I knew. The other thing connected with this is the bigger issue. We talked on yesterday's show about the fact that while while I'm not going to be surprised if Black Widow does not go straight to Disney Plus, I do believe it's likely and and we spent a good amount of time on yesterday's show laying out why I believe it is actually now likely. Whereas I thought it was an impossibility before. Same. But as as I said as there's I said, no way it'll happen. No way. But as I've said many times during this pandemic, the longer the pandemic goes on, the more and more things that were impossible start to become possible and feasible. Mm-hmm. And then it stretches out longer. Even more things become possible, even even thing. And of course, 
Disney's now just looking at accelerating what their master plan was all along, which is to convert Disney into a complete direct-to-consumer company uh, with Hulu and Disney Plus and whatever. But here comes Wonder Woman. Now, after Patty Jenkins swearing just, just a few weeks ago, no, 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 we're about the theatrical experience on this. Well, well guess what? Even though Patty Jenkins, who I adore, is the director of that film. She is not the top of the food chain. And she doesn't control the money. She does not control the money. And they that control the money control the movie. Mm -hmm. And it came out. And and listen, I don't believe for a second that this move of Wonder Woman now going to HBO. And you know what? Let's be specific here. Because there are some interesting specific points here that should be noted. This is the story as it came from Variety. Audiences will get to see Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day after all. Much uh, After much speculation, Warner Brothers announced that the superhero sequel will debut on the streaming service HBO Max on December 25th, the same day it will open in U.S. movie theaters. There's something we have to talk about first, but we'll get to that in a minute. Internationally, where HBO Max is not available, Wonder Woman 84 will premiere in cinemas one week earlier. So for those of you who don't have HBO Max, a little bit of a treat. You get it earlier than everybody else, even though you probably can't go to your local movie theater anyway. But on December 16th, the film will stream on HBO Max for a month at no additional cost. So then what happens? It's only going to be on That's okay, HBO so, Max for a month and then it's not going to be on HBO Max anymore and it'll be in theaters. That's see that once or, it's already come out dig, uh, digitally and is pirated all over the world. See, my here's my guess. And I have put out a request for some more information. I haven't heard anything back, which is not surprising. But here's my guess. My guess is Wonder Woman 84 probably already had a licensing deal in place. Okay where it would go to something else after its theatrical run. And maybe by debuting it on HBO Max, they found a way to circumvent that at least temporarily. Because remember, when HBO Max launched, they had a number of things on HBO Max that then quickly left. I believe the Harry Potter franchise Mm. was one of the things. Harry, hey, everybody, sign up for HBO Max. We've got Harry Potter. Then everybody blinked for a second and it was gone. Mm. And now Harry Potter isn't on streaming anywhere at the moment. So the whole purpose is to get people to sign up for HBO Max. Oh, yes. I think the number here, I think that that this is absolutely, you cannot convince me that this move is not at least in some indirect way connected to the fact that Disney came out just a a week or so ago announced we have made, we have accumulated 73 million subscribers in just one year. Mm. They have blown past HBO and HBO Max in subscribers and whatever everything in one year, mm. in one year. And this whole movement, you know, everything I talked about yesterday on the show about why Disney is making this fundamental shift to all things streaming, even though that's not necessarily good for us, but I get it. It makes business sense why they're doing it. All those principles apply to HBO and HBO Max as well. Right. Because they want that. They need that. And their subscription uh, signups has been disappointing especially when they look over the fence and they see Disney plus, mm-hmm. you know, they've got the kiddie pool in their yard and then they look over the fence at Disney plus and they got jacuzzis and spas and you know, all the <laughs> water slide male and female models walking around serving hors d'oeuvres <laughs> to the guests. I mean, they say, Hey, we want a bit of that party. So there's, and, and I, and they did exactly what I said they were going to do. Cause I knew part of the statement was going to be, but we are still committed to the theatrical that sure enough, that was in there, but that's just niceties. Um, this is, 
their move of we have got to start creating more of an impact now with HBO Max. We have got to start turning the tide now with HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And the delays, we it's presented an opportunity. And they decided to go that way. We'll talk about whether it's a good thing. The other thing about that statement, though, let me just bring it up again for a second. The other thing about this statement is the first part. Warner Brothers announced that the superhero sequel will debut on streaming services HBO Max on December 25th. The same day will open in U.S. movie theaters. Which movie theaters? Right. Because AMC may have a deal with Universal right now and, and, and Cinemark. But what... Bill and Ted 3 taught us is you can say we're also putting it out in theaters, but there's only a couple of theaters out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than a couple, but I'm talking relative terms. There's only a few theaters out there that will show movies that are are doing day and date releases. Mm -hmm. Regal won't show them. Um, And I don't even know that AMC will show it Mm -hmm. because they've got a specific deal with Universal. Maybe they will. So when they say in theaters, okay, which theaters, particularly in the United States? Well, and HBO Max is also going to want to make sure that they have a, I mean, I, I don't even know if they have the ability to have a say-so in how many theaters. I mean, is, is that potentially part of the HBO Max deal of, okay, well, we're going to pay X amount of dollars to acquire Wonder Woman for our streaming platform, but, you know, we want to make sure that it's not going to be in too many theaters? Is well, there, they is don't even it? have to pay for it. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. It's their movie. Okay. That's the thing. They don't have to license it. So which is part of the advantage for them is that there's no licensing involved for them because they can just do it. So I don't – but I to me, this is clearly a play. And then the one month – again, there might be something else behind the scenes. I've got mm-hmm. no official word on this. But the fact that it's only going to be available for one month – suggests to me that it's then going to go have to go to something else again i don't know that that is just me speculating but i guess i'm just surprised because all of these announcements with wonder woman and black widow um you know i wouldn't be surprised if we were in the same place pandemic uh covid that we were maybe two weeks ago And what I mean, like, yes, I'm aware numbers are spiking everywhere. We were just talking beforehand about the numbers in Los Angeles that are just going out of control. Um, But also in the last two weeks, we've had really promising reports about vaccines with 95% efficacy from Pfizer and Moderna that are going to be distributed as, you know, they're they're going in tomorrow. They're going to find out if they get the emergency federal approval. You know, Dr. Fauci's talking about them being distributed as early as December for frontline workers and to the wider population uh, as it goes on through April. So my feeling was, oh, okay. well, not that I was equating, yay, we're going to have a vaccine with when's movies going to be, when are movies going to be back in theaters. But if I'm running Warner Brothers, I think, okay, great. Let's get on the, you know, July 4th weekend um, books and and have some our big summer blockbuster. So I, I for me, the timing was just weird in that we just got, for the first time, a light at the end of this really horrific tunnel that if it all goes the way the scientists are saying it's going to go, could result in a really wonderful summer for yeah. everything, not just for movies. But so that was surprising to me that the first glimpse of good news and a potential end to this situation we've been in 
And the very immediate movie news after that is, oh, well, we're just going to put these movies on VOD. So you're that exactly was surprising right. To me. You're exactly right. And because everything you just said is so true, it puts an explanation point on the explanation notion. exclamation exclamation point exclamation point. What did I say? Well, it's the did lip I thing. Say, the you said explanation point, but it's the lip. You know what? It's the, the lip thing. The explanation point. <laughs> I didn't know if there the was a new. I'm I didn't know if there was a new pronunciation term that I should learn. The exclamation point. Uh huh. It puts an exclamation point on the the fact that. This is the studios signaling, yeah, that's not the direction we're going. We are going. Now, it'll be different for studios like Paramount, Sony, things like this. They don't have their own streaming services. So I had a bunch of people writing to me saying, John, do you think, what do you think is going to happen in no time to die? I think it's going to straight to streaming too. Here's the difference. Disney has its own streaming network. It is trying to promote and get ingrained. HBO, Warner Brothers has its own streaming apparatus. Has, has I did thing. not realize Sony that doesn't. HBO Max was owned by Warner that's Brothers. All, yeah, it's all Warner Brothers. All under, all under AT&T. They own it all. They well, I, I hope that King Richard is still going to come out in theaters in Thanksgiving. I, I, mean, I finally got my shoot date. You know, King Richard, the Will Smith movie yeah, that doing. I'm doing, uh, I was supposed to film uh, on you know uh, one date. And then I got this email. Oh, we've had to shut down production again. So uh, apparently there was like a, a string of false positives, but, you know, uh, uh, which is good. that they are good. Uh, exactly. They go, oh, we have a positive test. We're shutting things down. And then now we're back up and running again. Yeah. So, so but, but the point you raise is so on, on target. The fact that, hey, now that we're getting this light at the end of the tunnel, now, now is when we're hearing about all these, like these big major ones switching. To me, that just further indicates that this is the way, particularly that the studios that have their own platforms like HBO, like Disney Plus, that this is the way they're going. Look, I'm not saying we're not going to get movies in theaters anymore. I'm not saying any of that and who knows what's going to happen. But to me, it just really highlights on that. Is it the right move for them to do? Was it the smart move to take Wonder Woman and put it on HBO Max? In an immediate sense, no, it wasn't. Because you're right. If this vaccine starts coming out and we get these theaters back up and operational mid-year, whatever, Wonder Woman could have potentially, not that it would have made a billion, but it was had the potential to be a billion-dollar film. Sure. They are going to take a short-term hit mm-hmm. in the hopes that moving it onto HBO Max now and early and bringing this sort of attention to HBO Max, which is falling behind Disney Plus and is still continues to fall way behind Netflix and all these sorts of things. They're hoping that the long-term benefits of this will outweigh the financial losses they're going to take. And make no mistake, they're going to take financial losses on this. Big time. That it will outweigh in the long run the financial losses they take by not having this thing truly theatrically. Well, and especially during the holidays, that's when you want people – because people theoretically have the time to sit at home – watching movies, watching projects. And, you know, and, and, and I know that not every, I I know that not everyone who watches cartoons is a child. I get that. I'm an adult. I like watching animated films as well, but let's face it. A big, big draw for Disney plus is the fact that, you know, if you're a parent, you're subscribing to Disney plus, if you can afford it, you're getting Disney plus. And if you can choose between all the streaming platforms and you've got kids, Disney plus is on the top of your list of ones that you're going to subscribe to. And so if you have kids also who saw the first Wonder Woman, you know, again, 
Wonder Woman, all you know, these action movies with superheroes, especially the DC version, the DC ones, you know, kids want to see those and kids are going to want to watch those during the holidays. So if you've got if you've got kids and they saw Wonder Woman, the first one, they're going to want to see the second one. And so, and so how about uh, Disney Plus? HBO Max becomes a little bit more attractive. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe that is something that has been waning on the HBO Max's thing is, is saying is appealing to families. I haven't seen them do anything really to appeal to families yet. Maybe this is one of the first moves to say, hey, guys, listen, we're not just for adult yeah. content. We're and that's the thing everybody. is that with so many with so many parents being forced to educate at home now, you know, we mm. just heard about New York school closing, down again, yeah. uh, you know, and, and and so you have kids that are stuck at home and parents that especially in the winter when, you know, in certain areas of the country, when you can't necessarily just go outside and play in the park. You know, a lot of parents are pulling their hair out like, what the fuck am I going to do with my kids all winter? <laughs> you know, so stick in front of the television. Now you got HBO Max and Disney Plus. There you go. Well, anyway, guys. Uh, yeah. So Wonder Woman 84 going straight to HBO Max. I'm sure a lot of you guys are probably throwing in questions about that in the live questions part of the show. So we'll get to that in just a second. Question is, guys, what do you think about the move? A surprise, good move, bad move, whatever. I'm sure we're all looking forward to seeing Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas Day. I'm not going to lie to you, though. I was hoping that Christmas would come along, some theaters would be open, get to go with a bunch of friends to a theater with some other film fans and see it and cheer and hoop and holler. We're going to have to watch it doing the same thing you do every single fucking night, sitting at home in the same couch, <laughs> watching the same fucking TV. Whatever. I'm still looking forward to seeing it, though. Question is, guys, what do you think about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now go over and start taking your live comments and questions. Once again, if you want to get a live comment or question on the show right now, simply use the tip link in the top of the description of this video at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question right on the show if it's reasonable. And, of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. All right, guys. Let's get into it here. We're going to start things off here with Willow. And Willow writes, apart from Kevin Feige saying no to the idea, are there any legal slash rights issues that would bar James Gunn from being able to cross over Sylvester Stallone's MCU character with a DC property like Suicide Squad? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Many, 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 many problems with that. Yeah, it's that that is, uh, as of right now, his Guardians of the Galaxy character is a Marvel-owned IP. You can't just make a movie if you're some other studio and bring that IP in and start doing it. it you can't, can't do it that way. It would have to get approvals up and down the line. Now, if Kevin Feige gave his blessing to it, he is the president of Marvel Studios, so he's the ultimate one who can give the authority to that. But in this hypothetical situation yeah no <laughs> it's there's a million things there's no way you can do it without the actual blessing of the, of the company owning the ip can't be a god of woody rights john <laughs> this that's that goes back to uh, a show the other day i'll tell you about the did you hear about the the new spike lee film yeah about the viagra, viagra yeah. uh -huh. so i said you guys think uh not giving away my shot from hamilton is big you just you just wait until the big hit i've got a woody starts coming or, no i said stiffy though i said i've got a stiffy that was gonna be the new hit song sweeping the nation anyway can't be got a woody writes john i heard one of your listeners say so what if the movies close as long as he gets it on vod who cares well the people in other countries that don't have the streaming care uh theaters uh, theaters is all some countries have selfish. Well, I mean, that brings up another interesting point about the Wonder Woman 84 situation mm -hmm. is the fact that 
Okay. You can go on HBO Max. HBO Max ain't everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets HBO Max in every country. There's a lot of countries that don't have HBO Max. It's not available in Canada, is it? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's available in Canada. I know it's not available in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's. there's a lot of places HBO Max is not available. And it's like, well, you get the option going to see it in, in movie theaters. There's a lot of people not going to movie theaters right now. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of movie theaters not open. This is going to kind of create the same sort of situation we had when Mandalorian season one came out where we were all predicting Mandalorian is going to become the most pirated thing ever Mm -hmm. because it's going to be on Disney plus and a lot of countries don't have it is going to get pirated the crap out of it. And it did. Wonder Woman is going to have a piracy issue. Yeah. There's going to be a big, and again, it's not because there are people unwilling to pay for it. It's because you're advertising it. You're pumping it up. You're putting it out. People are going to be talking about it on social media. And you're not giving these people an option to watch it. Mm -hmm. You're not giving them a legal, valid, um, above board avenue to pay for and watch your content. And if you don't even give them the option, I'm not saying that justifies piracy at all. But what do you think they're going to do? And didn't you say that HBO Max, are they, did they ever get on board with Roku and... They just signed a deal with okay. uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Okay. Um, here's an interesting thing about that. So we all knew there were issues preventing the deal for a while, but we didn't, we weren't all privy to what those issues really were. According to some reports I've read, one of the holdup issues, and I've got to look into this to figure out what the implications are. One of the issues holding up Amazon Fire Stick allowing HBO Max on there was that HBO Max, HBO wanted as a part of that for Amazon Fire Stick to retire the HBO app. Because you remember they're, they're transitioning from HBO to HBO Max, right? And I don't know what how that caused a problem, but I'm sure there's probably a big thing that people who understand the situation are saying, yeah, that's a big deal because of this, but I'm just not familiar with it right now. Mm-hmm. But also apparently Roku is getting ready to announce that uh, they've also come to a deal with HBO Max as well. Well, they better do it before December 25th. They better do it before <laughs> December 25th. Absolutely. But yeah, it's gonna it's probably going to raise piracy as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Wonder Woman's definitely going to have a piracy issue. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, Man of Steel rules rights. Over under 50%, some type of Guardians of the Galaxy reference will be spoken during the Suicide Squad. Also, uh, you're often doing zany voices on the show. Did you ever uh, do voice work during your career? Uh, you seem good at it and enjoy doing them. No, I do not do voice work uh, at all. I am I am no performer in any way, shape, or form. But I would I would have to go over. Well, 50%. John, that's not true. What did I do? What did I do? What am I forgetting? You are a performer. You're a break dancer. Okay. And yeah. by the way, I I'm have certain to. people who have uh, offered to do some reconnaissance work in Canada and and go digging for those break dancing videos from when you were it's in like break dancing competition. At the end of Raiders, you'll never find it. Top men. Top men have hidden those. They are VHS. There's two specific VHS tapes that actually have footage of our old breakdancing crew. Yes, it, that's so. True. Okay, back to the I'm not a performer bullshit. <laughs> I can't act. I can't act to save my life. Are you kidding me? You should see me trying to deny to Anne that I'm the one who ate her ice cream. I can't convince <laughs> her. Of, I can't. Where'd my ice cream go? 
I don't know, honey. Well, I've got chocolate coming down. Right. I, I did no notice idea. that the pot stickers have been eaten. Because, yes, <laughs> when I do fill up my my water bottle with ice, I always do. You guys always have really yummy looking frozen foods. So, yeah. Uh, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> I don't oh, know. yes. I'm hungry. Over under 50%. Some type of Guardians of the Galaxy reference. Oh, I'm going to go over on that. Like, it's one thing for James Gunn to take a, an MCU character and bring them in. To make some kind of side insider wink reference, you can do that. That can be done. And let's put it this way, Man of Steel Rules. I'll be very surprised. I would be very surprised if we don't hear. So I'm going to take the over on that. Uh, many both hands writes... John, you often criticize Disney Plus for having no original content. No, I don't. I'll get to that in a second. Yet, by my count, they've produced 56 original programs in their first year, including 15 features, six specials, and like 30-plus series. Maybe it's stuff you don't like, but they are original shows. No, 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 no. I am always extremely – you go back and watch anything I've ever said. I'm always very careful when I say this. Disney has put out next to no premium content. I'm always very, very careful. Yeah, yay, they've got shop class. And I hate saying it like that because I love Justin Long. I got a real special place in my heart for Justin Long who hosts shop class. But who the fuck cares about shop class? They've got BR Chef. And yes, they've got Angela from The Office hosting it. And I love her. But this 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 little low budget winky dinky stuff that's just there to be filler. That's yeah. not the nobody signed up for Disney Plus to watch Shop Class. Okay, <laughs> nobody signed up to Disney Plus to watch Shop Class. Well, I'm talking about premium content. You know, Netflix is dropping premium content left, right, and center. We went through a year of Disney. Prior to Mando season two airing, we mm -hmm. went through a year of Disney. A year. Getting Mandalorian season one and Hamilton. Two great things, but, but two things. Let's people like, want more than yeah, that. Now, 2021 is shaping up to be a significantly better year for Disney+. Plus. They've, I mean, we've got, first of all, we got Mando right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to have WandaVision. We're going to have... Uh, well, I think you know, you're know you touching on a really good point, which is that 2020 was supposed to have more original content yep. Yep. but because of the pandemic and because these are all part of a cinematic universe where and like i've said i still maintain that falcon and winter soldier is not going to come out until after black widow does because there's some sort of through line whereas wandavision could lives be right. in her own world and so she can do whatever she wants to do i'm surprised that wandavision hasn't come out yet but now we find out that wandavision isn't coming out until 2021 yeah. either but, so. this, but to me, see, this goes, this is an old argument. I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but it just reminds me again of why the hell did you launch with nothing else in the right. can? They launched, like when they launched Disney Plus, there was no pandemic, but all mm -hmm. they had ready to go was Mandalorian. They should have had something Mandalorian two weeks after that finale. We've got the next thing launching. Yeah. HBO does. HBO has a big premium show airing, sometimes two at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then like a week or two after that airs, like we just got season two of, oh damn, uh, His Dark Materials. What's what's the thing they just, uh, I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head now. The but Golden Compass? Something, something like that. So they've the got- The Amber Spyglass? What, whatever the name of the series is. I read is, the books. But I can't remember. They're so good. But um, they've got the new season of that now starting to air. Mm -hmm. You know, so one thing ends, they have a next thing ready to go. And Disney was simply said, oh, we've got Mandalorian. Okay, let's right. launch. But we that's how and that's ready. how you have people stream hop. Yes. You know, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll pay my six ninety nine a month for you know this. 
well, now there's nothing original, so I'm going to unsubscribe from that, and I'm going to pay my six ninety nine over here for this. By but the way, his have- his dark materials. Thank you, Bill uh, four three nine three. Thank you for that. I forget. Yeah, why did I forget his dark materials? Anyway, you said his dark materials. Did I say his dark materials? You did. Oh. That's why I was like, what are you trying? Because the His Dark Materials is a, a, it's three books. The first one being um, The Golden Compass. Compass the yeah. next one, The Amber Spyglass, or I Have a Mad Order. But so that, yeah, you did say okay, that. Okay, okay. There we go. I'm not as, uh, I'm not as. It, it's, You've had it's some the, head it's trauma the head this trauma morning. I had today, guys. It's the head Everything trauma. is excused. Yes. I, I st- you know, this is still all numb. Of course the, the it is. Side of my face You're is probably going to have a big bruise on your face I am, tomorrow. probably am. Anyway, and it's still affecting the way I'm talking. Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, the Sock Rites. Uh, just uh, bought an Oculus Quest 2. I have, I have an Oculus Quest 1. They're they're really kind of fun uh, because I probably won't be able to get a PS5 for a minute. First time I've ever had a VR system worth every penny. Also, it doesn't require being paired to a PC and it truly is wireless. Listen, seriously, I got to tell you, Ann and I did pick up an Oculus Quest, the, the original one. We picked it up a while ago because she wanted to play Beat Saber. Uh, and then I got the Vader game. But I played that here. Oh, that's right. You when did you guys play that. first got it. That's right. I remember that, that. is such a workout. Yeah. I, was, I remember I was sweating afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. And I was on one of the really easy. I actually tried to get one of those for Tom for Christmas last year and they were sold out everywhere. Like impossible to get it, them. It, I had to, we had to wait two months to get it when we ordered it. Mm-hmm. We had to wait months. Normally you get it on Amazon and get it two days later, but we had to wait months to get it. So are I, they available now? I'm sure the Oculus Quest 1 is available now. I don't know about getting Oculus Quest 2, although I am, I do think I want to get Oculus Quest 2. Well, I already have Tom's Christmas present, which I really want to tell you guys because... Well, don't say it on the air. I'm not, well, I, well, that's the thing. As soon as I left the house, he goes, I'm going to watch the show today. So I was like, okay, well, don't don't talk shit about your husband today. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Next up, we've got I've Been Better writes, I am... I don't mind spoilers. It helps me understand movies when I watch them. I don't have a sophisticated brain when it comes to following storylines, especially movies with difficult plots. Have you heard of anyone like me out there? Am I shot in the brain? No, listen, I know there are a lot of people who really don't mind or care about spoilers. It's it's the story, right? It's watching it play out. Mm-hmm. Hearing what happened to a lot of people, hearing what happens is not why you watch a movie. You don't watch the movie to find out what happens. You can just jump online and find a full description of the movie if all you care about is what happens. Titanic go, sinks. The Yeah, Titanic sinks. Spoiler alert. But you go to see the process of this. It's the story being told. That's the magic of it. It's the telling of the story. That's the magic of it. Unless the, the, mo- the whole thing about the movie is in the oh shit moment like i see dead people you know because that is going to affect the way that you watch the project you know um uh but but like for example and and i i i'm one of those people where if you figure out something do not tell me i hate spoilers because i don't I don't go into movies trying to figure it out i literally just go i'm on i i I kind of put my seatbelt on as if I'm on a, on a ride at Disney World and I go, okay, you're going to show me what you're going to show me when you want me to see it. I was like that with Knives Out. I don't try to predict and go, oh, I wonder who. I just go on the ride and I allow myself to be entertained. Tom is one of those, I want to figure out who done it and who this and who that from the very beginning. We're watching The Undoing on HBO Max right now. Right. And from the very first episode, he was like, 
so and so is the killer. And I'm like, God damn it, shut up. <laughs> you know, and so everybody I talk to about the undoing, they're like, oh, I think it's so and so. I'm like, I don't care. Just let me enjoy it. But that, I hate spoilers. The dilemma of spoilers, though, this is a big problem. This has been a problem of movie fandom since I've been a movie fan is that the problem, the real problem with spoilers is, is nobody has any agreement on what is a spoiler. Oh. Like to some people, a spoiler is a fun to, is an event in a movie that fundamentally alters your perception of the movie. He's Kaiser Soze. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was a sled. Right. I see dead people. Like to some people, that's what a spoiler is. That is what a spoiler is. But then it goes all the way through like 800 other steps all the way down to you told me there was a car chase in the movie. Mm -hmm. You spoiled it. So it's like <laughs> because nobody has a foundational agreement on what is and is not a spoiler, it it becomes very, you know, shaky ground. Right. Whenever you're talking about like, for instance, I was talking about Mandalorian season one, uh, episode <clears throat> two or three the other day. It's episode three, the one with uh, Bo-Katan. And I said, you know, so we've we got Bo-Katan in this. And every, like not everybody, but a couple of people who have a much looser terminology of spoiler got really upset. It's like, we all knew that she was coming in to play Bo-Katan. We knew Bo-Katan was in this season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to be this episode. Well, <laughs> okay. So even to talk about- Is that actor, Katie Sackhoff's character? Yeah, it was. it's Katie's- Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing. I, I love Katie Sackhoff. And I was so excited. When she took her She's helmet great. off, I was like, oh my God. And so I immediately wanted to tweet about it, but same thing. I, and, and then, uh, and then there were, and seeing uh, Titus um, uh, Welliver, Titus Welliver, who I love from Deadwood, I was really excited to see him. Um, you know, I don't think that my excitement over seeing her take her helmet off and having perfect hair and it was always yes, as, an, right? as an actress it's actually really funny whenever you watch someone go to take their helmet off and it's from the back and then the and, and they don't ever show them taking the helmet off because the hair would be all like that and then the makeup would be all jacked up um so i always i i love those the moments. best example of that star wars episode seven the force awakens uh kylo ren has Poe Dameron prisoner and he's talking with his mask on and then the camera cuts to an angle like kind of from back here he starts to take his his helmet off and you see the hair is all must of right of course and then the camera cuts to the front and the helmet's already off his head he's got like his right it's sort of and like the hair like, is perfectly queefed and everything is uh -huh. like absolutely perfect it's like yeah Katie's makeup is off. like perfection but he also Tom goes she looks a little different I said Tom we just saw her like two months ago on Battlestar Galactica, which was 15 years ago. Yeah, she looks a little different. Amazing. Yeah, she looks great. She looks great. Um, okay, and she is also a, a alumni of The Flash. Oh. She's on The Flash too, just like you. She probably um, had a few more episodes. She's, than she's had a couple more episodes than you did, yes. All but right. I still did it. I but still, still did it. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up. Uh, that was I've Been Better. Next up, the nerd Errant writes, regardless of the fate of theaters, I say Disney Plus will use a mixture of low and high cost shows. I'm sure they'll remember the reality show boom at the turn of the millennium and how it waned, though it didn't outright burst. Audiences like both. Here's the thing, nerd Errant. They haven't put out any premium content, relatively speaking, and they got 73 million subscribers in the first year. They know. Disney knows. 
they don't long term they don't need to to put out high cost high premium uh content like when you can do think because people keep coming for the library they come for the library so don't get me wrong disney will continue once or twice a year to put out something once we get past like three or four years to put out something really big bang they will but it's not going to be the way it was it's not going to be like 2019 where they put out what was it eight billion dollar films or something like that eight billion high high profile high budgeted films they're not going to do that because they don't have to they can make the money without spending the money that to streamers is the magic of streaming we can make the money without necessarily spending the money. They need to spend it right now to get it all up and they're, mm -hmm. they're battling it out. They're trying to get market share and all that kind of stuff. So we are in the streaming wars right now. But once that all settles down, once they've got your monthly subscription fees coming in and once Disney is making $24 billion a year in revenue, which they will be by the end of 2023, and they realize we can put out two premium pieces of content a year. Mm-hmm. And we'll still make this $24 billion a year. Well, on the chat, uh, Ronnie, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name right, wrong, uh, excuse me, Ronnie White uh, Jr. commented about Black is King, which I forgot about. Did you see that the Beyonce album? The Beyonce thing, nope. Oh my God, that that is incredible. It is some of the most breathtaking cinematography, costume, choreography it is actually a master class in visual uh it is it is a visual orgasm dare <laughs> i say i mean obviously we know beyonce can put out incredible music i don't care if you're a beyonce fan or not like the woman the woman knows what she's doing when she puts out a new album she doesn't just go okay my album's dropping like she releases an entire uh cacophony of visual and audio uh, you know just submer sub submerging her fans in beauty and i'm telling you black is king whether you're a beyonce fan or not it doesn't matter it is from from a cinematography perspective the the saturation of color do we know who directed it i don't i don't know offhand who directed right, okay. it no um i mean i can look it up but it, it is it is stunning so ronnie thank you so much for bringing that up i forgot about that but yeah that that was a really that was a really big one this year all right uh let's keep going here next up we've got the sock rights I finally set up my TV, 58-inch Vizio V-Series that I got about a month ago. I never had a TV in my room before, and none of the others in the house are hardly ever available. Any suggestions on what movie I should watch first? Ooh, you know what? The one I've been going to a lot lately. On what? On a new Vizio 58-inch uh, V-Series television. Oh, okay. The one I've been going to lately. Like, normally I say, I moved into a new house. What should I watch first? Star Wars. Hey, I just moved to uh, England. What should I watch first? Star Wars. But <laughs> my actual go-to lately for new TVs, and I have and I did this when I got, when Anna and I got our 75-inch uh, that's hanging downstairs. The first thing I watched to really get is, I watched Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Mm. Um, something that really lets you soak in the appreciation of a new screen you just got. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my recommendation is actually Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, although any Lord of the Rings with that sweeping cinematography and that gorgeous New Zealand landscape, um, anything 
from that series would be acceptable, Sock. All right. Uh, next up, we got Caleb who writes, which would make you the happiest to hear about and which do you think is most likely? Another Alien, another Die Hard, another Terminator, or another Expendables? No reboots, remates, must be in the current con uh, continuity. Well, I mean, Alien has already shifted their continuity about eight times, so I'm not really sure we can make that. Um, what is more likely to happen is another, I believe, another Terminator is probably more likely, is the most likely to happen. Although Stallone keeps saying he's going to do another Expendables. So we'll see about that. You know, there was actually an Expendables that was in development yes. for a long time. Yeah, we I remember talking about in the AMC days about a whole bunch of people. Were and there were some incredible names that were attached to it. Um, it was pretty much like every, every action. It was like Charlize Theron and, uh, uh, um, I'm blanking on names. The reason I'm blanking is because on the chat, Jay Master just said that it was actually Beyonce that directed Black is King. Oh, so okay. even well, more reason well, to love who her. Who was her cinematographer? That's <laughs> who was her cinematographer? Probably That's Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce anyway, was the cinematographer. Um, but uh, yeah, exp I, I'm, I'm, I know that Stallone was was producing or he was part of the development of um expendables for a while yeah, yeah, he was and they were they were bit. writing a script they were because my oh, agent, they had actors attached to it the whole bit like everybody everybody's every famous female name would seem to be attached to mm -hmm. it and that, that one just kind of disappeared yeah I, the, the one i would be more I, and i gotta say i think expendables is probably the one i'd be most interested in and look not all the expendables movies have been great i mean no no doubt not all the expendables movies have been great far from it but a couple of them have been really cool, and the concept I still think is great. Get these older, aging, classic heroes mm -hmm. together. Don't do what they did in that one Expendables movie where they made half of it fresh new faces who all sucked. Right. Um, but, like, maybe bring in one or two newer faces. Guess what? Dwayne, Dwayne's approaching 50. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Get him in there. I, but seeing Chuck Norris on screen, seeing Jean-Claude Van Damme as the bad guy. I mean, this is just and fun. And seeing them kind of poke fun at themselves. Yes. That's great because we've seen them take themselves way too seriously for way too long. So seeing them have a little fun at their own expense, it also – it almost humanizes them in a way, makes them a little bit more – um, endearing kind of gives them that same thing that I like about the Dwayne Johnson, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds, you know, that self, um, self depreciate, self depreciate. Yeah. Any more self coffee? Self-deprecating. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you. It's kind of hard to think on your feet sometimes. Uh, that self-deprecating humor. Um, I, I, the, what was that movie that, um, about the, the old veterans that, um, the, the young guys try to um, they're they're veterans in the army the military and they're in like a VA uh, I, I I'll remember, remember it never mind forget about it I, but, uh, I yeah I don't know I mean I I'm just I'm not look I don't know if you ever get happy mad when you see certain people like for me uh, seeing Sylvester Stallone and things always makes me happy mad especially when it's like an action thing because I went to see Rambo first blood okay or last blood Rambo last blood which is pretty it's it's a viscerally satisfying movie right mm -hmm. it's not it's not shakespeare but it's viscerally satisfying but seeing stallone who i believe now is 73 or 74 i it's amazing it's the happy it's amazing to see 
This guy is a genetic freak. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't care how many horse steroids he's taken. I could take that <laughs> amount of horse steroids. I'm not going to look like him. Right. So it's happy. But then it makes me mad. It's like, you son of a bitch looking like that at 75. F you. When I can't look half as good as that at my age. You know, it's so I don't know if you get that like happy, mad feeling sometimes when you watch some people on screen or I, I don't know. But it's like I saw a picture of Cicely Tyson yesterday and she's like, I mean, she's probably I think she's like 94 because I saw her on Broadway doing Trip to Bountiful at 88. And I was like this Broadway woman- at 88. Yes. And somebody goes, oh, well, yeah, but she's getting her lines fed to her in an earpiece. I was like, do you have any idea how difficult that would be to get your lines fed to you in an earpiece and then have to like while other people are talking? So, yeah, uh, Cicely Tyson, she she looks incredible and she's like 94 and still as glamorous as ever. All right. Let's move on here. Next up, we've got uh, Suthius who writes. Oh, no. So Ryan Loner first writes many thanks to the crown. Uh, Am I in the right spot, by the way? Yes, it is. Uh, Many thanks to the crown. My wife just finished binging the newest season of that last night. Many thanks to the crown for helping me finally understand the gag from V for Vendetta that Princess Anne's then recently born daughter, Zara, is the queen at age 16 after everybody else was killed. So I didn't I I, that one went right over my head. I don't remember that at all. I I, I don't know the reference to that. But let me say this. I, I sat and watched a couple of the episodes of the new season of the Queen with Anne and the Queen uh, Cor- or the Crown. Oh, uh, the Crown, sorry, with uh, Anne and Corey. Now, did you watch the first two seasons? I did. I saw okay. the first two seasons. Uh, number one, um, Helena Barnum Carter as Margaret was awesome. She's so good. It's also pretty fun because Helena Bottom Carter also played Margaret's and Elizabeth's mother. In one of my favorite films of the past 10 or 11 years, The King's Speech. Oh, um, She okay. played uh, Elizabeth and Margaret's mother. So th- that was pretty fun to see. Number two, I keep forgetting, is it Gillian Anderson from uh-huh. X-Files? Yeah. Gillian Anderson. As Margaret as, Thatcher. As the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher. I've heard she's Thatcher. amazing. Oh, my God. She doesn't like, – you can't even tell that it's no, her in the posters. Nope. I haven't seen the third season. Tom didn't watch seasons one or two, so I'm going to have to watch season three. I don't know when because he's always home. We're both always home. That's the only thing do. my aunt said she didn't really appreciate about season three, she said it's still very good, but she said the thing she didn't like about it as much was that they focused too much on Diana. She goes, it's the crown. I want to – this show is best when it's focused on Elizabeth. That's Anne. But she thought it focused a little bit too much on Diana. That's what everybody's been waiting for for two decades. Really? I mean for two seasons. I don't I, I, eh. There's been so much buildup about Diana. And let's face it, Diana, I mean, is one of those figures that is one of the most talked about, one of the most – I mean, she died, what, in the 90s? And people still, like, you know, I mean, she's so iconic. people's princess. She was the people's princess. I think also because the story of her marriage – you know, that it, it enthralled so many people of like, oh, it was this, you know, uh, p- perfect, cam- you know, Camelot and blah, blah, meets blah. A, average girl meets Prince Charming. And, right. Well, yeah. You know, it was just such a Cinderella story that just went up in flames and then everybody saw the the reality of what it was. And so I think seeing that played out and, and, I, and, I, and what was it? I think the actress who played Diana said – what was interesting for her about season three of The Crown is seeing that 
it wasn't so black and white. It wasn't like Charles is a monster, Diana is an angel. Yeah, yeah. And told me, but she said it really does play into. Hey, there were issues on it. It, it was it was a two to tango situation, right? Yeah. And also, you know, I think that uh, I mean, it, it, and it must be really challenging to be telling these stories that now so many people were alive and not only were alive for, but that we have video footage of. You know, a lot yeah. of the stuff that happened in the first two seasons, there was very limited news coverage. Oh, you there's know, but, no TV right. <laughs> when it started. When it started, right. But by the 80s, you know, I mean, tabloids, you had everything. There yeah. was so much access. So uh, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited to start watching it. All right, let's move on here. Next up, uh, Suthius writes. Hey guys, I am so sick and tired of cancel culture. Ah, boo-hoo. Somebody said something that I don't agree with, or someone said something or did something that is woke. Jeez, Jesus Christ. Uh, Carano or anyone else who has an, a, an opinion shouldn't be fired. In extreme situations, like you said, sure, assess and see what's best. But for someone having an opinion on a matter, come on now. This also goes for people like uh, J.K. Rowling. Sure, she said some insensitive things, but do these situations warrant canceling? So this all comes from a video I put up the other day. <laughs> Today that was made around uh, a, a question somebody sent in and we made, I thought it deserved its own standalone video. So for those of you who did not know, so Gina Carano has been on, uh, you know, social media saying some things on social media and it got, it got a lot of people upset and uh, a lot, a lot of people calling for a job. The hashtag fire Gina Carano started going around. Of course, she's in the Mandalorian. My position on this is pretty clear. Um, I do not now, nor have I ever believed that somebody's opinion on a situation, again, there are a million variables. There are absolutely a million variables to consider, but I'm saying in general. In general, somebody having an opinion on a position, to me, it's ridiculous to call for somebody's job uh, based on an opinion they have. Now, listen. That doesn't that doesn't stop me. So to me, the the idea that Gina Carano should be fired for things she's tweeting, especially when you consider the nature of what she's tweeting, I think is asinine. I'll just say it. I think it's asinine. Now, I as an individual can look at what Gina Carano is writing, saying, Haha, "You're stupid, and that's really dumb." I can say that. I can say that, and and I do. I believe. I don't want to get into politics or anything, but I, just to to illustrate the point that I, on one hand, can completely believe. Wow, what you just said is ass stupid. But at the same time say, oh, but do I think the girl should lose her job over that and be run off a show she's starring in because of that? Again, a million different variables. There are more extreme situations that, that would have to be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. But something of this, no. I think it is equally as stupid as all these people like when Dwayne The Rock Johnson came out and announced who he was personally endorsing as president in the thing, you had all these people like trying to advertise a burning Dwayne Johnson movies party and swearing they'll never let their children watch Dwayne Johnson movies again. It is equally as stupid. Okay. It is equally as stupid. So I, I just did that. Look, there are some things that we should take more seriously. Yes. You, you can't like, you know, I have my lines. I don't want to get into in depth, but yes, I, 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 th I thought the whole idea about should she have been fired from her show is is dumb. Am I the only person who doesn't think that cancel culture is actually a thing? Like, no, but, I, but it I is. Just, I don't. It is. No, no. I've seen no. it firsthand. I have seen it firsthand. Here's because the thing. Because Robert Meyer Burnett, here's the thing. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but Robert Meyer Burnett 
was was very very closely part of that. The the cancel culture comes in when it's somebody expresses an opinion. Like, look, Chris Brown, fuck that guy. That guy beat a woman so bad she was in the hospital and her face looked like the side of beat up beef. All right, so fuck that guy. But when when somebody expresses something, right, mm-hmm. and then you see this incredible backwards where people start calling for people to lose their jobs and be fired. Mm-hmm. That's cancel culture. That's a real thing. Is it as it's bad? It's only cancel culture if the person, if the people respond to it and go, okay, we're going to do it. I mean, look at Ezra Miller. Like people have been calling for his job and WB is just like, la, 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 la. And they're still over there filming The Flash. He well, hasn't been canceled. Just because it doesn't happen 100% of the time doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Like not everybody dies from COVID, but people are dying from COVID. You yes, know what I mean? of course. But what I'm saying is like, you have a right to say whatever you want, no matter how stupid I may think it is. And I, as a consumer, have every right to go on my social media and go, I don't like this person and I'm not interested in watching their whatevers or buying their whatevers. I, as a consumer, have the right to express my opinion by what I pay for. And then if I'm the owner of, you know, if I, if I run the company, then I have a decision to make of, okay, what's going to affect my bottom line? Is this person's outburst and the number of people who are legitimately unsubscribing or, you know, not, am I seeing a change in my bottom line? Now, I don't think that can happen immediately, you know, but I also think that it falls in line with other behavior. For example, we talked about Johnny Depp being, you know, like after the libel um, issue in the UK, and I'm not going to get into whatever happened with him and Amber Heard. I don't care. It's not my business. I'm not interested. But, you know, you and I talked privately about, I wonder if there were other things going on because it was way too convenient for them to just be like, oh, yep, sorry, we're going to need you to leave. You know, I also found, find it certain, and I'm not going to bring up certain other people that have been quote canceled but behind the scenes i've been on shows where there is a really problematic person really problematic and nobody likes working with that is it this show sorry john it's (laughs) it's you i want you to be canceled if everybody could just hashtag no i'm just kidding um but you know i've been on i've been in situations where there's someone who's so problematic but you can't fire them because them being an asshole and being toxic is not a fireable offense however them saying you know racist stuff on twitter or like their twitter being unearthed and finding that there was really disgusting misogynistic things being said um, them being fired for that is just a really convenient excuse for them to get fired in general. Usually someone someone expressing an opinion online, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And so if they are immediately fired afterwards, I mean, I rarely find, I rare, and, and, and yeah, the Robert Meyer Burnett situation, I don't know all the details about that. You saw it firsthand. I'm just saying, I feel like people get, people raise ire about cancel culture a lot. And I'm like, you know what? Just like you have every right to say whatever you want. And the first, the, the first amendment guarantees that you're not going to get arrested for speaking out against your government. The first amendment does not protect you from whatever backlash you're Idiot rantings. No, 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 no. and I know I know? agree. I agree and about I, that. As a consumer, have every about, right. Nobody's talking about arresting me. Say, look, look. I, I made this clear the other day. 
the but when, like but the when people say, but when people talk about cancel culture, they usually use that phrase in the, the same sentence as yes, free first speech. I, I can say what and I want. Here's the example I was I always use when people want to bring up the free speech issue. Because while I said, listen, no, 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 no way, Gina Carano should be fired over this. Yeah, and then I don't a bunch think so either. Say, yeah, because we believe in free speech. No, 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 no. This is not a free speech situation. And here's the analogy. And some people don't like that I use this analogy. Sorry, this is a perfect analogy for that. If you invite me over to your home for dinner and I come into your home and while sitting in your home, I decide to stand up at the table and say, um, your mother's a whore. If I said that to you and your mother's sitting right there, I say, yeah, her, your mom, she's a whore. Don't point at me. Sorry. I meant to point at my screen. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, your mother's, your a, mother's whore. a good Catholic woman. What's, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to allow me to be in your house and eat dinner with you? No. You're going to ask me to leave. Is that you being against free speech? No. Is that you violating the First Amendment? No. Because nobody's talking about somebody being arrested. Free speech and stuff like that is about the government getting involved and they're, you know, being free. People, other people are free to react. Free speech covers also your right to react to what other people say and do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This isn't an issue of free speech. So just get that bullshit out of here. This is not an issue of free speech because everybody has the freedom to react to how to stupid stuff you want to do or say. It's not free speech. It's not First Amendment. But it is, to me, common sense, right? People are going to have different opinions than you and me in this world. Like wherever you are, wherever you live, whoever you are, you and I are always going to have people who have different points of view on something. Sometimes different points of view of things we feel strongly about. Sometimes it gets into the, into the asinine. I think it's perfectly fine to fire gay people if you find out they're gay. No, fuck you. Burn in hell. I, that's different. And I also agree. I also agree that, listen, if you work for a company and you embarrass the company, like when I hire people to work with me, I hire people to work with me because you bring something to the table and you will help make life in my my enterprise better and easier and you're going to contribute. If you become a liability mm -hmm. that having you here is hurting our reputation and your actions and words and whatever is hurting our business, then it is not a violation of free speech to say, I've got to part ways with you because you being here is hurting my business. You're bringing attention to this company that is not what we are interested right. in But having. then we've got to ask the question, where does that line get drawn? Where's the line between somebody's got to be able to say, in the, in the instance of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who just came out and said, I support this presidential candidate. If he was working, was it was it reasonable then for people to say, we call on everybody, let's boycott this guy, let's boycott his movies, let's never watch his, let's not let our children watch his movies. Was that reasonable? It's not reasonable to me. Mm -hmm. It's reasonable to disagree, but it's unreasonable to have that kind of reaction to somebody simply expressing a different point of view than one that you may know is total common sense. And again, I think what Gina Carano said was asked stupid. But I don't think she should be fired for, for well, that well, But it also, like, as someone who watches and enjoys The Mandalorian, I don't watch The Mandalorian for Gina Carano. Right. I like she, her on it. Yeah, she's, she's on it. I think she's, she's, yeah, I really like fine. her on it. She's serviceable. Whatever. Now, knowing what Gina Carano posts and knowing that I disagree with her position on things, I'm just not going to follow her social media. Am I really interested in whatever she does next? Not really. 
you know, if I'm already interested in a project and she happens to be on it, I'm not going to pitch a fit over it, but I'm not going to watch something specifically go, oh my God, Gina Carano, I really love that girl. Yeah, Let's but go. you were going to do that anyway before she wrote the stuff on social media, right? Like you're not yeah. really, it's the same thing with me. Like I have different political beliefs than say Clint Eastwood does. Clint Eastwood believes some things that I really don't, but I still think he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. One of the, right. the biggest screen icons of all time. And I love watching his work. So I don't know. It's, I think it, there's also, there's, there's way bigger things that we can be boycotting right now. Like Tyson Foods. Go check it out. They're fucking horrible. <laughs> I don't know anything about Tyson. They're disgusting people. I, I do They're have, terrible. I know nothing. I do have some of their things Google in my it. freezer You'll right be though. disgusted. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, let's, let's, oh, actually it is 1130. <gasps> time for me to go. Time, time flies. <laughs> so listen, in the, thank you for being here. Look at her little, oh, she's Oh, asleep. she's sleeping. She's asleep. She's, she's got the a, ribbons in her hair. Can you um, wake up and say goodbye to everybody? Where can we follow, can people follow you and little Joey Bishop oh, in the meantime? you can come and visit us on Instagram and Twitter at Aaron L. Cummings. And uh, we will, will we see you next week? Because next week is American Thanksgiving. Are you having a show? I'm probably having a show. I'm Canadian. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm probably <laughs> well, having a show. I, well, your yes. wife is not. That's so. true. This is true. But yes, we're probably having a show on next week. Okay. Thursday. Well, then. Um, but if I, you're in town, come on by. Honey, I ain't going anywhere for a <laughs> long time, at least until April. And uh, then hopefully sometime soon after then, we will see. Oh, Joey's looking at me. Hi, Joey. Hi. Anyway, I love you right. so much. Goodbye, guys. All right, Thank you so here. much. Thank you. All right, you. guys. Aaron Cummings, everybody. All right. We still got some time here and we've still got a whole bunch of your questions to get through. So let's not waste any time and let's keep getting to it here. Next up, um, Gabriel Orama, uh, PR Boston writes, Hey, John, thanks for answering the Corano question of the food speaking of which I don't support cancel culture either nerd question in a world where Batflick and Keaton were both will, will both be in the flash. What are the chances that we see Michelle Pfeiffer back in, in, in a cameo? Uh, 0.0009%, 1% cheers. Ah, oh, man, I hate seeing zero on anything. But yeah, so I'll go as low as one. Only because, and the only reason I'm not going lower than one is because I don't say zero. <laughs> like almost, I almost never say zero. So I'll say 1%, but it's 1% at best. Now, would I geek out a lot to see Michelle Pfeiffer back as Selena Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, I would. She's her Batwoman. To me, her Catwoman is still the de facto Catwoman. Like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman to me is the standard by which all Catwomen are measured. So I would geek the hell out over that, Gabriel. But unfortunately, it is probably very much down to a 1%. Uh, all right. Preston the Kryptonian writes. I'd like to say that the scene towards the beginning of The Last Starfighter where Alex stares at the galaxy models above his head and he had a binary sunset moment. Listen, again, somebody asked me the other day if I could – I was doing an Ask Me Anything on Facebook uh, last night and somebody asked, what movie do you really want remade? And and I always go to – two questions come up. What older movie now, like slightly older movie, would you really want a sequel to and which one would you really like remade? The sequel answer is always the same. It's – um, Mystery Men, uh, Ben Stiller, Hank Azaria, uh, William H. Macy, Jeannie Garofalo, uh, Paul Rubens, uh, Casanova Frankenstein, Captain Amazing, whatever. It, it Absolutely Mystery Men. That's the one. If I could snap my fingers and have a sequel made today, it would be to Mystery Men. The remake one is also always the same. It's The Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter is so primed for remake, remake Preston. I mean, that's the one I'd got to see. All right, The Black Knight writes, MCU has to be the greatest achievement in movie history. Mm, 
It depends on what you're talking about as far as your criteria goes. Um, box office gross, uh, Rosta, attention to detail. I don't know what Rosta is. Attention to detail, story length. I could go on. One serious flop, and it could all come crashing down. Is the MCU 23-0? and 0? No, the MCU is not 23-0. And, and I, I would also never, no, I would not say. Like, if you're talking about box office empire-wise, it's hard to dispute. It's hard to dispute uh, empire box office wise uh, because it almost averages a billion dollars per film over a stretch of 20 plus movies. That's insane. That's incredible. But are they the best movies? No. I mean, the Godfather, uh, you know, the Godfather franchise, probably Godfather, Star Wars. I mean, here's the thing. Talk, I often, when people want to talk to me comparing Star Wars to MCU, right? Everybody only has this much of an attention span. Like to me, it always comes down to, here's the thing. Star Wars came out like a little after I was born. And it to this day is one of the biggest things. Here we are decades later, four decades later, four decades later. And Star Wars is as talked about, buzzed about, whatever. Here we are talking Mandalorian every week. It's still one of the biggest pop cultural power things in the world. And what I often say about when people try to compare the MCU, which I also completely love, is let's talk again in 25 years. Let's talk again in 25 years. Will the MCU have that kind of staying power? Will we still be anxiously looking forward to the next MCU movie or the next MCU TV show 25 years from now? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm not saying we won't. I don't have the answer to that. I'm just saying is let's have that. We're a long ways off from being able to have that conversation. But as of right now, I would say no, other than financially, other than financially. Uh, let's see. Next up, the Black Knight writes. Uh, last week when I said the Martian was the best loser at the awards, it was just me being bitter as it's one of my most beloved movies and was beat and was beat probably meant beaten. Uh, my Revenant was beaten by Revenant and was beaten by Revenant and others to awards outside of the MCU. My RIP movie pass uh, never had so much. Uh, what's RIP? Uh, uh, RIP movie pass never had much repeat viewing. L listen. The Martian is amazing. And you know, a lot of people forget this, but prior to The Martian, Ridley Scott, I think it's generous to say Ridley Scott was on a cold streak. Ridley Scott was on quite a cold streak. He had put out a number of crappy films in a row and he just wasn't the Ridley Scott of old. I mean, he had a lot of people thought he'd lost it. And then came The Martian. And The Martian is so beautifully made. Like a guy alone on a planet and it was thrilling and you're on the edge of your seat. The simple act of a dude trying to make potatoes was like as thrilling as almost any MCU or DCEU action sequence. Think about that. Somehow they made a guy trying to make potatoes as almost as thrilling, nail-biting, and, and tension-building, and gut-wrenching as anything you'd see in a Star Wars, DCU, or MCU movie. It, it's incredible. Now, do I think it is like a top 10 greatest film of all time? No, I don't. But I absolutely love that movie. Matt Damon was so good. The supporting cast is fantastic in it. It's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, let's see. Next up. 
Uh, Dylan Fontaine writes, I was really excited for the Snyder Cut, but I have now been totally put off by the fact that it's being released in a 4-3 aspect ratio. That would be great for IMAX, but this is HBO Max. Is it bad that I'm put off by such a petty thing? Um, I, I would say this. I would say you as a viewer, we all have little things. We all have our things that appeal to us a little bit more or turn us off a little bit. We all have them. And if the concept of a movie coming out in a 4-3 aspect ratio is kind of a turnoff to you, there's nothing wrong with that. I would say this. I think it is an interesting decision. Um, if it's true, by the way, I've read all over the place that it's going to be in 4-3 aspect ratio, but I, I don't know that I've seen any 1,000% confirmation. that Maybe it was completely confirmed and I'm just not aware of it. But let's go on the assumption that it is. If it is, it's also a departure from what Snyder cut is supposed to be. Cause that's not what the original, that's not what the original Snyder version of justice league was not going to be in four, three aspect ratio. Just saying. Um, but I, I don't think that, sh I don't think it, it certainly doesn't turn me off. Let's put it that way. It being four by three is not going to turn me off. Whether the picture is this size or this size or this size or this size or whatever, as long as it's a clear picture and I can see what's going on and understand what's going on, I don't think it should be a turnoff. I don't think it should be a turnoff. Speaking of which, let me bring this up. I, I am curious about something. The other day, Zack Snyder said that the, the upcoming Justice League miniseries on HBO Max is going to have two and a half hours of unseen footage before. A footage that was unseen before. That made me scratch my head. I'm like, wait a minute. You know what? If you'll indulge me for a second, if you don't mind, let me, I know a lot of people hate this, but I don't care. To me, it helps me explain uh, my thoughts a lot better. Let me bring up the campy classroom for a second. All right. Give me a moment to bring up the campy classroom. So this, this is interesting to me. Okay. So, and, and, and maybe Zack Snyder was just talking out of his ass. Maybe he wasn't thinking things through, but he says um, 2.5 hours of new unseen footage. Okay. Interesting. But he's already also said uh, only shot about five new minutes of material during these reshoots, which I don't believe that because like even just um, you know, a couple of the actors have been shooting shot for a couple of weeks. It doesn't take a couple of weeks to shoot five minutes of on-screen material. It doesn't take that long to shoot. And they shot for weeks. I don't believe him when he says it's only five minutes of new material, but maybe it is whatever, but let's take him at his word for a second. Okay. Only about five minutes. Now, the new uh, Justice League HBO series is going to be, they've already said, four hours long, right? Okay, so if it's four hours long and you subtract the 2.5 hours of 2.5 hours of the new Justice League cut is completely never been seen before, right? Well, that means that 1.5 hours, let me try this again, hours, has been seen already, right? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? If 2.5 hours of the new Justice League miniseries 
is never, hasn't been seen before. And this thing is going to be four hours long. That means that an hour and a half of it is stuff we've already seen. Now, Zack Snyder has said uh, that the Justice League HBO series will not have anything from original movie that he didn't shoot himself, right? Zack Snyder said that. He said, I'm not going to put anything in this new miniseries, this new Snyder cut, that I didn't shoot myself. So none of the stuff that Joss Whedon reshot, that's not my movie. That's That wasn't my vision. It's only going to be stuff I shot. Well, then that's saying that the 1.5 hours of theatrical Justice League was Zack Snyder's material. Like, am I am I missing a step here? Snyder said 2.5 hours of the new Justice League miniseries has never been before seen. That means an hour and a half of it is stuff we've already seen already. He's already said that he's not going to use anything from the original Justice League that he himself didn't shoot. So that means that an hour and a half of the theatrical version of Justice League, which was only two hours. So Justice League was only two hours long. That means out of that two hours, if 1.5 was Zack Snyder's, then only 0.5 was Joss Whedon's. So uh, there's there's there are a couple of options available open to us, okay? Number one, when Zack Snyder said 2.55 hours of never-before-seen footage, he was just talking out of his ass, which every celebrity and every director and every, every producer and every studio person does every once in a while. You know, you're just, you're just talking out of your ass. You're just saying whatever. That's a possibility because everybody does that. Everybody does it. It's not a bad thing if Zack Snyder did that. Everybody does. So that's one possibility. But if he was being literal and saying 2.5 hours of this four hours has never been seen before, that means an hour and a half of it has been seen. And since he's not using any of Josh Whedon's material from Justice League, that means an hour and a half of material from Justice League was his. That flies in the face of like some people claiming that only like 10 minutes of Zack Snyder's stuff actually appeared in the theatrical cut. And I think we all know that's not true, but I, I don't know. I just, I just don't know what's happening. I just find it very confusing. I just find it very confusing. So I don't know. I don't know. It just, it's just made up. But again, there is a good possibility here that when, like when Snyder said, ah, 2.5 hours of stuff you've never seen, maybe he was just talking in really, really loose, vague generalities. And we're just kind of talking out of his ass as everybody does, right? Maybe that's the case. But if he's being literal, it raises some interesting questions. Anyway, why did I get sidetracked on that? I don't know. Let's move on from it though, shall we? Okay. Uh, anyway, bottom line is I would encourage you I would encourage you not to be turned off by it being a four by three aspect ratio, if indeed it is a four by three aspect ratio, but you're not being stupid. If that is just a, an issue that kind of bothers you a little bit, we all have that stuff, right? We all have little things like that. And a four by three is stuff that kind of rubs you the wrong way at first. I get it, but I would say, try to take that and Put it aside for a minute, and then when it comes out, just give the four by three aspect ratio a chance, and maybe we'll find that it works really well with this story. You never know. All right, uh, next up, um, Federico uh, Delacasa writes. Uh, 
But John, why Disney didn't include the huge Fox library in a package? Uh, why wait and not include them? Uh, they have aliens and predators and tons more. Uh, but as a comic slash movie fan, I knew they didn't buy Fox for Fantastic Four and X-Men. But why not use the whole library yet? Here's why. Because they didn't need to. Because they didn't need to. They have a mountain a mountain of content from that they got in that Fox deal. Why blow your load all at once? Why blow your load all at once? You know, they got 73 million subscribers without doing it. So what do you do? You hold back a bunch so that next year you can drop this, this, and this. Woo! And it's a big deal. And then a year after that, you drop this, 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 and that. Woo, it's a big deal. And then the year after that, hey, listen, I believe we're probably going to go, I believe it's going to be five years before we see all the content that Disney got in that Fox deal on one of their streaming flat platforms, whether it's Disney Plus or Hulu or whatever. I believe it's probably going to be a good five years. I think they're going to slowly roll it out to continuously have new, fresh things to put out there and to create an event around. Can you imagine the event they're going to create around, you know, I don't know if Die Hard's out there already, but I'll just use Die Hard as an example. You know how big of a deal they could make if it's not out there already? Of, hey guys, it's Christmas 2022, and what says Christmas more, even though Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, what says Christmas more than Die Hard, woo, coming to Disney Plus or coming to Hulu or whatever? It, it, they're just going to keep doing that for like five years. And it's smart. Why drop it all at once? And then there, we dropped it all at once. And we got a big bump from it. And now that bump is gone. And we've blown our load. And now we have no bullets left in the chamber to fire off later you see so they're going to slowly roll it out they're going to slowly roll it not to mention there's a bunch of fox properties that are still entwined in other licensing deals so there's going to be a bunch of things there just like not every mcu movie is on disney plus right now because they're tied up in some other licensing deals and they're going to have to wait until those expire so it's a combination of different things you know what i'm saying I mean, it's a good question though frederico excellent question all right next up uh, Captain Blue Pants writes, how will films being released on streaming platforms affect box office reporting? I think it kills box office reporting. Surely it will make it all irrelevant now. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, how will financial successes of films be compared to another when they've released in varying streaming platforms and conditions? Won't be able to. It, it, that, that's just simple. You know, the I love box office numbers. And whenever I would talk about the fact that I love box office numbers... Um, you know, inevitably some people go, well, it's not your money, John. Why do you care how much money they make? It's not like it belongs to you. No, no, no. I, yeah, I get that. But because you're just looking at it too simply, box office numbers actually tells us a lot of different things. And that's what fascinates me about box office numbers, because box office gives us some insight into you know, if a film was marketed a certain way and then it has a monster opening weekend, then that makes us look at what they did with marketing that was so successful. When a movie is a huge financial hit and the box office numbers are big, or if the box office numbers are small, it tells us a little bit about why the audience was or was not interested in that subject matter. What was the audience, you know, how are they responding to a certain actor or actress in a film? 
Are they responding to certain types of stories or are they being turned off by certain types of stories? You know, box office numbers gives us a treasure chest full of really great, cool information. If you look beyond the surface of, well, that's not your buddy. Like if we look beyond that, there's actually a wealth of information and things to talk about and discuss about, you know, what does this mean about the audience? What is, and then it starts telling us, it, gets, it starts to paint a little bit of a picture of the future. Like if people are really responding to this and this, but not that to that, then we can start to speculate and maybe, you know, pontificate a little bit about what might be to come. It, it just, there's so much information in a simple box office report. And that's why I always get excited about talking about box office. But you're right, Captain Blue Pants. It's going to become an original thing. It's going to become an. It's going to become. Uh, sorry, not an original thing. It's going to become an irrelevant thing. The more and more everything everything moves to streaming, we'll just have to rely on Disney Plus and Netflix to tell us how good they did. I mean, there's no standard or, or things we can really follow. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, not looking forward to that. Captain Blue Plants, I'm not lying. going to lie to you. I'm not looking forward to that. All right, next up. Anne Perkins, Parks and Rec, writes, how will Black Widow going to Disney Plus affect international markets, many of whom are able to open theaters, for example? Will they have to stream too? I've only got a basic 40-inch TV and thought of watching Marvel films on that for the first time makes me depressed as fuck. Yeah, um, so first of all, let's be clear here. I believe, I believe it is likely that Black Widow is going to end up being released on Disney Plus. But I don't know that that's the case. There's a difference between what we believe and what we know sometimes, right? I don't know that Disney is going to take Black Widow and drop it on Disney Plus, but it is what I believe is likely. So, but let's be clear about that. It's not a done deal. If it does, there's a couple of ways that Disney Plus could approach it. Number one, they can simply say, we're putting it on Disney Plus. But we will give it a theatrical release in countries that do not, because there's still a lot of countries that don't have Disney Plus. We will give it a theatrical release in countries that do not have Disney Plus. That's an option. Uh, and I think that's probably what they will do. But I, I'm with you. Like, I don't want my first experience watching the newest MCU movie on a freaking pathetic. Like, I got a 75 inch TV with a glorious sound system and the whole bit, but I don't, I want to watch it in a movie theater. I mean, that's not an option right now, but I'm willing to wait. But, you know, we've, we've, we've covered this ground or we won't recover it all again. But uh, yeah, that's what my, that's my guess of what they'll do. Whenever they're going to put Disney, uh, whenever they're going to put Black Widow out, whether it's in February or March or whatever, I think what they'll do is they'll drop it on Disney Plus in all the places that have Disney Plus. And then in the places that do not have Disney Plus, they will give it a theatrical option. That's my guess. Just a guess. But that's my guess. Good question, Ann. All right, next up. Ginger Giant writes, uh, John, super important and difficult question. You can only see one of these masterpieces of cinema. Which one are you rushing out to see? Bob's Big Fart or the Viagra Musical? Decisions, decisions. Well, listen, the Viagra Musical is a real thing. Bob's Big Fart, the movie, is just a one I kind of made up. Uh, Spike Lee doing a musical about Viagra. Who doesn't want to hear the hit song, I've Got a Stiffy? Of course we do. Everybody, the cunt, the world is waiting to hear this music from Spike Lee. So, uh, yes, I'm going with uh, the Viagra musical, Ginger Giant. All right, next up, Captain Blue Pants writes, 
I'm curious as to whether or not streaming could affect a film's rep- reception. Like, I know a good film is a good film, but like, like if you're watching on some shitty laptop screen, you might think a film is worse than it is. No, just thinking of other effects. Well, listen, there is no denying movies are meant to be communal experiences. I, I fully believe that movies are really meant to be uh, communal experiences and the full experience of a movie can only be done communally. I, I, I really believe you can only get the full real impact of a film when you're watching it with other people. That doesn't mean there's not great inherent value of just watching it by yourself. Of course there is. Absolutely there is. But again, like it's, it's a, it's an extreme example, but I keep going back to that moment in Endgame, Like when Mjolnir flies through the air and lands in Cap's hands, come on, who doesn't remember being in the theater with an audience when that happened? Of course you do. Or a little bit later, as on your left, and the portals open, they all come walking through, including Howard the Duck, came walking through, and everybody losing their mind, and the screams and the cheers, and that's part of the experience. I still remember being in a theater watching the 40 No, I'll go to another one. I still remember being in theater when I was younger, watching Wedding Crashers. I don't know that I've been in a theater... I don't think Wedding Crashers is the funniest film of all time, but it's great. But I don't know that I've ever been a theater where I've seen a theater just all like hundreds of people collectively. I thought we're all going to pass out. They were all laughing so hard. Like there's something that is. That's the difference that gives movies their magic. That's where the magic comes from. The artistry, the storytelling, all that is there, whether you're seeing it in a movie theater or at some little crappy screen you're watching at home. But the magic of movies comes when you're with other people taking it in and that shared experience becomes an infectious thing that just penetrates us and really becomes a pivotal part of the experience of that movie. And I, listen, I understand all the, I don't blame Disney. I don't blame HBO Max. Like I understand, I I laid it out yesterday. The business sense of this is all too clear. And I understand it. The business sense is undeniable about this massive move to streaming. I get the business sense. But I cannot help but lament And there are advantages to this move. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I lament that we are going to lose the magic. The magic of the movies is going to go and it's going to die. Movies will still be great. Movies will still be my favorite things. Movies will still be awesome. But there is something about sitting on your ass just like you did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that in your own living room like you did the week before that and the week before that and the week before that. Watching it on the screen, the same screen you watch the evening news on and the same screen you watch the Friends rerun on. There's a difference between watching a movie that way and watching it the way filmmakers always dreamed of their films being watched in that community experience and that's where their magic comes. And it's that experience is my favorite thing in the world. 
that experience is my favorite thing in the world. Watching with people in this darkened room as this piece of art that these storytellers put years of their lives into making and now present to us that we get to consume in an hour and a half to two hours. And the shared energy, excitement, shock, fear, dread, adrenaline, whatever it is that just envelops a room. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that the loss of that makes me sad. The loss of that makes me sad. Uh, and there are advantages to streaming um, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that there isn't. There are absolute advantages, but that that makes me sad. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, we've, we're almost out of time here, guys. we got time for one more. This one comes to us from Rick who writes, an idea on how to unveil the new T'Challa for Black Panther 2. Don't. Just in an MCU movie before Black Panther 2, have a scene with an unknown black actor involved and another Avenger says, what do you think, T'Challa? Audiences, mind blown, uh, gives us time to adjust before the sequel. I got, listen, there's something very poetic about that, Rick, but also completely impractical. You said it yourself in there. Give us time to adjust. Give us time to adjust. I, I think just throwing somebody at an audience that wasn't ready for it, wasn't expecting and say, by the way, guys, this is the new T'Challa. Bye. Enjoy the movie. Do, 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 do. You know, I don't think that is giving us time to adjust. Now, I don't believe you announce who the new T'Challa is going to be right away. We talked about this on the show the other day. I think, you know, once they select a T'Challa, I think they're going to wait a good period of time before they make it public. But I think in the spirit of, like you said, giving us time to adjust, in the spirit of that, I think it becomes all the more important that they publicly announce who the new T'Challa is going to be so that we can, you know, come to grips with that. It's going to be hard for a lot of moviegoers who just, you know, love Chadwick Boseman so much that it's going to give us time to adjust to that. And so by the time the first movie that that person appears in as T'Challa comes, we're ready. It's not catching us off guard. It's not a sneak attack chair to the back. It's, it's, we were prepared for it. We were ready for it. I think, and besides the fact that it's almost impossible today in Hollywood, where every human being walks around with a global visual audio communications device in their pocket to keep something like that secret anyway. But even if they could see, keep it secret, I believe it would, it would, it would, um, there would be amazing backlash to it. I think it would backfire if they tried to just, uh, okay, we're going through a movie, going through a movie, da, 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 didn't hear anything, just going through a movie, this scene, this scene. Hey, everybody, that's a new T'Challa. What the, what the fuck? What? What? Like, I, I just don't think that gives audiences time to prepare for it. Don't, it doesn't give us time to adjust. And, uh, so I, I think it's actually important. It's impossible to keep that a secret anyway, but that I actually think it's important that they let us know a little bit before whatever, whenever we're going to see T'Challa on screen again, let us know a few months in advance, maybe even up to six months in advance. Let us know, gives everybody time to come to grips with that and adjust to it. So that's my thought. 
That's my thought. Anyway, guys, listen, we still have a number of questions still to come from John Klobuchar, uh, Andy Hong, um, and a few others. Do not worry. We will start off tomorrow's show with your live question. When we come to the live questions part of the show, we will start off with yours. You sent in the questions. They're going to get answered properly in a video. Don't worry about that. All right, guys, that'll do it for me. For today's installment of the John Campia Show, uh, forgive the, but my voice is a little bit muddled. muddled sorry. It looks like my swelling's going down. It looks like the swelling's going down. Anyway, uh, my nose is still red, though, from where it got whacked. Anyway, thank you guys for your patience and indulgence. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the live questions. Number one, because you gave us fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you very, very much for that. Guys, please remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.